Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and joining me for the entirety of football season, none other than the king of content, the sensei of soaps, the podcast power listener, and long-suffering Cowboys fan, the Oracle himself, Matt Friedman. Matt, how are you doing today? Uh, that was quite the introduction. I don't I don't even remember what my introduction was for you last year. Do you remember what it was? Uh, let's see. It was the Titan of tomato sauce, the connoisseur of pasta. There was something else in there and long-suffering Jets And fan. long-suffering Jets fan. Yeah. yeah. Sidekick, just- at, sidekick at the controls, yeah. uh, connoisseur of pasta, Titan of tomato sauce. But now the tables have turned. I am no longer the sidekick. Now you kind of are the one in the sidecar here. I am the captain now, Matt. That, that's true. The, the turns table. The, how the turntables. Yes, turn exactly. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. I couldn't even screw up the screw up. <laughs> well, today, Matt, we're going to be talking about some totals, win totals, how to evaluate numbers, how to find value in them. And we're going to make some predictions as well. At the end of the show, you and I, we're going to face off with a little bit of a win totals draft here. And we'll come back at the end of the season and see how wrong we were. But first, to talk totals with us, guys, please welcome back to the show, making a return appearance here, none other than my good buddy, Jeff Parles. I thought you were the Titan of Tortellini, actually, Tom. I thought that was your I thought that was your nickname. <laughs> well, you know, it could have been, but honestly, Tortellini, not quite up there with Penne for me. Penne is always at the top of the power rankings. Jeff, how are Fair you doing enough. today? I'm great, guys. And you know. We are talking before the show. It just – we're at that point of the calendar. We're about two, three days away from being like, oh, my God, we are almost at the end of the summer abyss, and we're almost at football season where we're going to be waiting on some great week zero games in college football. We're almost through the preseason in the NFL. Uh, but it's just awesome to be with the guys and, and talking, uh, talking some win totals today because you really got to start hopping in if you've already uh, missed the boat on some. There are still some out there that are quite good. It's true. Uh, you know, it's it, camp is do- finally done. Preseason is underway. And we're starting to get what is admittedly a flawed look at some of these teams. Guys, how much are you weighing these preseason looks in your evaluations versus dismissing some of this data? Like the rumors about the Patriots and how their offense is just playing abysmal at camp. How much are you putting stock into these when you're making your win total picks? And how much are you kind of ignoring some of this preseason buzz? So I, I would say this: you you just have to you have to be able to filter out the the BS and the non BS, which is very hard at this time of the year because it's again it's practices, it's preseason games where half the teams have their starters play for a few series last week. Uh, I'm pretty sure Sean McVay has sent Stafford and all of his starters to Laguna Beach for the next month and is not even bothering anything with that. But you know it, it's interesting from a betting perspective. I don't take much from the preseason unless if it's like a rookie let's say let's take brian robinson for example in washington where i look i think brian robinson based off the camp reports based off his performance in in game one of the preseason we might see more brian robinson and maybe he's worth a, a bet down the board in an offensive rookie of the year or from and matt would know better than me from a fantasy perspective, maybe Brian Robinson, who was a fringe guy in a fantasy draft, maybe you want to take him a little bit earlier than you were planning on uh, possibly taking him instead of helping him get through the waiver wire after the draft for you. So that's really the only things I really look at are rookies that are over that are overachieving, which sometimes that doesn't work, 
Not everyone is like Victor Cruz back in the day, Tom, as we know. But that there's you just can't overreact to preseason. Some teams that are going to be really good are going to look like crap, and some teams that are going to be really bad are going to look very good in the preseason. It's true. I'm pretty sure the Lions when uh, the Owen six they were undefeated. They were undefeated yep. that preseason. So were the Browns too. Yeah, they went winless. And rookie hype, I mean, we're all familiar with it, especially from last year. Remember when Jamar Chase couldn't catch a football and everybody was writing him off as a bust? How'd that go? Matt, how about you? What are uh, what are some of the things that you look at? Are you weighing preseason hype? Are you completely dismissing it? Obviously, the answer lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah, in terms of what happens in the actual preseason games, I'm not focusing on that all that much, with the exception of maybe like – how Kenny Pickett plays, you know, so that might give us some insight into whether he might start in week one, if he actually, you know, wins the starting job or not. And so, you know, that has some impact there. Uh, but for the most part, it's nothing that about the games, it's about some of the beat reports that we get and not, you know, not highlight plays on, on Twitter or anything like that, but, you know, established long-term beat reporters and what they are seeing. And, you know, in certain key situations. So for instance, if there's something new, like, the Patriots offense, right? Or if there's something new like the Vikings offense, situations where there's uncertainty, uh, if we get multiple reporters pointing in one direction, then I would probably, not always, but I'd be inclined to make a tweak to my uh, my seasonal power ratings. And because I'm using my power ratings to drive my projected win totals, there would be, uh, you know, fallout from that. But for the most part, you know, you're you're taking note of things. You're you're literally, at least me, making notes in my spreadsheet to say like, okay, track this when the season starts. Uh, you know, see if what we uh, have heard in camp is something that actually lines up with what we're seeing now in week one. Uh, but I'm not making too many movements on uh, on any camp news. And when they are movements, they're they're very short movements. And now, guys, let's dive into some actual win total discussions here. But the number one thing that people need to know when they're trying to bet win totals, what's the process like? What is it that you're doing when you're evaluating these teams and getting you to your conclusions of, I like this number? Jeff, when you sit down and you say, I want to evaluate some win totals, I want to make some of these season bets, what, what's the first thing that you're looking at when you're going to these teams and trying to pick out a number that you like? So, Tom, uh, you may think this is partially psychotic, the way that I do this. And I do this very differently because there are people that are model-based. And and there are some things that are model-based, but the NFL, I'm just not. Uh, just not the way that I've, I bet it over the years. I take this – whenever that schedule is released in April or May or whenever the hell it's released, I look at it at first, just look through, all right, these are going to be tough stretches for some teams – these are teams that may have easier stretches through the year. And then, actually, <laughs> I did this two weeks ago before the preseason, and then I'll do one more version that's a little more sturdy after the preseason games are done. I will go through every single regular season game, and I will make a pick on every single regular season game before the season. That's how I look at this. And, and look, there are some teams that, again – like, let's take the Chiefs for a second. Uh, the, the way that I had went through them, I had them where I had them with one go through. I had them with 10. I imagine when I have to go through a little bit, I'll have them at 11. Their win total is 10 and a half. So that obviously would not trigger a bet for me. But 
they're one of those teams that you monitor for maybe an in-season win total because their first seven games are absolutely horrendous. They're so hard the first seven weeks of the season. So maybe you look at that and say, oh, maybe if the Chiefs are like three and four after seven games, maybe I'm going to look for a in-season win total. So that's part of the reason that I, I go through all these games where, all right, there are some that I know I'm going to have to take preseason. But there are going to be some teams that I look at like, hmm, this team's going to be good to attack for an in-season over. Like Denver last year, they, they, the, the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets, their win total went to 10. They won those three games against those three horrible teams. Easy under. They didn't even get to their preseason total. So uh, that's part of the reason that I go through every single game, every single team schedule, because now in the climate we're in betting-wise, it's not just preseason win totals. It's in-season win totals that you can really attack. And knowing a team schedule, that's very important going into a year. Matt, what say you? What What does your process start off with? Yeah, I like that analysis that, that Jeff had there of looking at the, the actual week-to-week schedule for each team. Uh, I, I have a piece at, at Betting Pros that does that, looks at some of the, the harder stretches, easier stretches of the season. And yeah, I think that's pretty sharp. If there's a team that... You think you're close on, but maybe not quite there. Look to bet them at an opportune time in the season based on their schedule. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, before the season starts, trying to think about the bets that I want to make. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, I have, uh, you know, a power ratings uh, system. I have a model that I've created model i'm using you know air quotes there it's a spreadsheet i'm not doing anything fancy it's a multicolored spreadsheet in all fairness to myself but it's it's a spreadsheet you're uh, using that laptop that uh smokes when you have two google tabs to run all those calculations <laughs> yeah exactly and with the new laptop maybe i'll be able to have multiple tabs open at once and uh we'll really be cooking with gas but you know so this uh quote-unquote model you know it takes into account home field advantage a number of other factors uh you know and with that i create a a projected spread for every single game and then i convert those spreads to win total probabilities add it all up and that gives me projected win totals if i'm going negative on a team uh then i'm fine with you know obviously betting the under on a win total however if i'm feeling positive what i would probably do rather than bet the over is try to leverage that into something a little bit better you know like division winner conference winner something like that you know like there there are only there are only so many ways to fade a team and you know betting the under on the win total is you know the main way to do that but there are lots of ways to be bullish on a team so if you're going to wrap up your money for six months i'm going to shoot if i'm pessimistic you know shoot for the downside that's fine but if i'm optimistic i'm going to shoot for you know a significant ceiling more than just hey i'm i'm laying you know minus 110 and you know i'm getting back a hundred dollars on the 110 dollar bet like i'm going to try to be a little bit bigger on that so that factors into the way that i look at this uh you know and maybe if i really dislike a team i will look in the uh, alternative markets and take a lower win total on the under for plus odds and you hit on a great point there. My my biggest problem with win totals is when you're looking in that positive market, like you said, you're locking up your money for six months and I'm doing it on a minus 110, plus 120, that kind of bet. I'm not getting the kind of payout that I'm looking for in some of these other futures markets. The flip side of it, of course, is it's easier to pick a yes or no than it is to pick a division winner versus a Super Bowl winner. But Still, I think that's a great point about wanting to be able to look and take your positive feelings about a team 
and try and lay them in a form that's going to get you better value overall. And Jeff, you made a fantastic point about those in-season teams as well. Is there anyone that you're already looking to when you see the schedule and you say, oh, hey, this might be a team that has a potential in-season opportunity? What are the things they're looking for there? Well, let's let's take Kansas City, for example. We'll go on the flip side here with just the absolute brutality of a schedule where Kansas City plays seven straight games against teams that I would not be surprised if all seven of them are in the postseason when this is all said and done. Arizona week one is the weakest opponent they played to me in the first seven games. That is brutal. Any way you slice this, that is brutal. But that's really what I – that's the team that stood out the most where – Look, it's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. Could Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes and they go five and two in those brutal seven games? Of course. And it blows up my preseason handicap. But that's the team I'm really eyeballing uh, for, for sure, where they get off to a start, which is really bad for them. But then they get hot when their schedule uh, gets a little bit better. And then, Tom, unfortunately for us, another team I'm going to monitor is our Jets. I mean, that schedule is just so brutal through the first uh, nine, eight week, nine weeks, and then they yeah. play at New England after the bye. They're not going to be favored in a game until they see the Bears at MetLife uh, in late November. It is possible the Jets get out one and eight, two and seven, and then have in a nice, easier schedule where they get the likes of Chicago, D- Detroit, and Jacksonville all at home. So you could see a Jet win total collapse all the way to three and a half. And then in classic Jet fashion, that screw up the draft pick, they win four of their last seven games and end up with five wins and end up basically right on the win total that they have right now. So that's another team. I Really, I look at teams that are going to get off to these tough starts and then be better later in the year. There's not as many this year. Like Denver was the one last year where three games against bad teams right away, win total goes to 10. They win the three games they're supposed to against bad teams, easy under. There aren't as many like that this year that stand out to me, Tom. So I'm really looking for the teams with brutal schedules earlier to bet them over when their win total crashes a lot more than it should. Now, how about pre-flop? Before we get you out of here, Jeff, I want to know, are there any teams that you're keeping your eye on or the bets you've already placed for uh, for some season win totals here? Yes, I'm already in on two, and I'm probably going to go back to the well on this one. I love the Las Vegas Raiders this year. Now, there are obviously concerns about their secondary, which is pretty weak. As we know, we saw it get burnt a few times last year. They didn't do enough as much as I would have liked. But the one thing that the Raiders did, and we usually see this with teams that defy numbers, defy the analytics when they make the postseason. And the Raiders did that last year. They were not a postseason team by the numbers. But the Raiders, instead of being able to be going out there and saying, you know, we're good enough. We made the playoffs. We don't need to change things. They went out and traded for Devontae Adams. They went out and got Chandler Jones, who's arguably the best pass rusher on the board in free agency this year. Uh, Their offensive line is, I think, going to be better than it was a year ago as well. So they went out there and made themselves better. I know they're in the toughest division on paper that we've ever seen going into a season. But for me, they're going over 500. They're making the playoffs yet again. So over eight and a half is one that I really like. And how about anyone else here? I know that Matt has some thoughts on the Raiders. We'll get into some. We'll, we'll get into some of those with our uh, with our win total drafts here. But is there any other team that you're looking at here? 
Yeah, so the juice has moved here uh, through the offseason. I like commanders under. I have eight and a half at better juice than what is out there right now, but I think that's still – if you can – like minus 170 at FanDuel is a lot of juice to lay on a full-season bet, but I know their schedule is easy, but it's Carson Wentz, guys. Like, are we really expecting Carson Wentz to go over 500 with a a roster that is worse than what he had in Indy? I mean, Jonathan Taylor – if it wasn't for Cooper Cup basically turning into Jerry Rice last year, Jonathan Taylor runs away with offensive player of the year. But I I just I just don't see it with Washington. Even two years ago, when their defense was awesome, I know the quarterback situation was all was was Alex Smith somehow uh being able to play after that grizzly leg injury. And Heineke was what they had. They still only won seven games in a regular season. I don't see how they go over 500. So under eight and a half, I think, is really good, even with a lot of juice. And I like under eight. If you if you're more if you want to just take under eight at a better number, I have no problem with that. This team to me is seven wins max, even with a schedule that is pretty manageable. Matt, any thoughts here on the commies? Uh, I have them at 7.4 in the projection. So I'm not betting it, but I mean, I can tell you if I'm leaning in a direction, it's hard to the under, you know, like I, I'm not optimistic about this team at all. I think they're one of the worst in the league. I am. By the way, Tom, I want to throw one more out there that I haven't bet yet that may catch you guys off, uh, off here. And Aaron shots of football outsiders put this as his favorite season win total in the AFC. And after going through it a little bit more, I actually kind of agree with them. I know what you're about to say. The Houston Texans over four and a half. Now, yep. I, I will say this. I'm not saying the Texans are going to be good. They're still going to be bad. But we see every year, we see one bad team always win, always go, oh, wait a second. How the hell did this team win seven games or the minus 150-point differential? We see it every year. One team manages to do that every year. And I was going between them and Seattle being the two teams that would more, more than likely be the crappy team with a horrible point differential that goes over their win total. But playing in that division where you get two games against Jacksonville, where there's some that people that are really buying Jacksonville improving, I'm not there yet. I'm scared that Lawrence is not what we think he was when he was drafted uh, two years ago. But I, I'm, I, I just have a weird feeling with Houston that Davis Mills was – the second best rookie quarterback last year by the numbers, which is absurd saying, but you look at numbers, it's true. Lovey Smith is an improvement over David Culley at head coach. And if that defense, even though Derek Stingley probably walks in and becomes the best player on that defense right away, being the third overall pick, their schedule is easy enough where they can pick off a few games. Like you're telling me they can't win a game in Chicago. Tell me they, they can't beat the giants. I mean, they, they can get the five or even six with a horrible point differential. So I kind of like Houston over four and a half. I haven't had the fortitude to bet it yet, but I probably will have that by the time the season starts because that number not going anywhere. People are not going to bet Houston over four and a half. I can tell you that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I actually, I like that call quite a bit. And I will say I have Houston power rated as one of the worst teams in the league. And still, even with that, I have them as a, a team to, you know, quote unquote, bet on for three of the games this year. I think the market is too low on them. And when I did my projections for the win totals, I got to say, I haven't projected at five and a half, which scared me. Go. I don't want to bet that. I'm just going to say, like, <laughs> that's, that's what the number says. But I don't want to bet it because I feel like a team 
you know, season turns, it gets into tank mode. You know, they're they're fighting for that number one overall pick, you know, quote unquote fighting for that number one overall pick. I just don't want to be betting on the over on a team that could be incentivized to get the under. But I mean, I'm just looking at it now and I I'm with you preseason based on the you know what I perceive as the strength of this team and the the weakness of their schedule. Yeah, I could see how they go over. Yeah, Houston getting eight is my favorite bet of week one right now. Yeah. I mean, that's that just, that just again, maybe I'm buying into a little bit of my preseason uh, thoughts on the Texans, but we've seen, seen Indianapolis screw up that game against crappy teams plenty of times. Um, and you're going to give me over a touchdown with a home team, no matter how bad they may look on paper? I, that, that's 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 a bet week one for me, which I'm sure I'll regret by about two o'clock Eastern time on that first Sunday. The the thing I'm looking at is you look at their division. You've got six winnable. Your total is four and a half, and you have six winnable games in your division. Are you going to sweep the division? No, probably not. No, of course. But you're already starting out playing in the absolute turd in the punch bowl of the NFL. You have a fighting shot there. I like that four and a half because of that. And nudge, nudge, wink, wink, might get into that in a little bit when we're talking about some of these other teams. But Jeff, thank you so much for joining us here today. Where can people find you and all the great work you're doing? Sure. Uh, at Jeff Parles on the tweets, uh, VSIN is where you find me. Uh, and uh, I'll be on uh, Betting Cross America on Sunday this week. Uh, at 3 o'clock Eastern time, you can find me on with Gil Alexander on the numbers game as well, 10 o'clock Eastern time, Monday through Friday as well. All right. Well, you tell Gil I said hello. And, Jeff, thank you mm-hmm. so much for joining us today. G- gentlemen, thank you very much. Real quick, I want to remind people here that we've teamed up with Run Your Pool to bring you listeners an awesome new contest for the season. To get in on the action, all you have to do is click the link in the description below or Head to play.runyourpool.com slash bettingpros, sign up, and you can start making your picks for week one. We'll keep track of the leaders week to week here on the show. And in addition to bragging rights against Matt and myself, there's going to be something in it for you guys. The top three winners are going to receive $300 in Fanatics gift cards. We're giving 150 bucks to first place, 100 to second, and 50 for third. You guys can go get some awesome swag with that from Fanatics. So go sign up today and get ready for week one at play.runyourpool.com slash bettingpros. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game matter more. They offer every game type under the sun, from Pick'em to Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. So get your crew together this season at RYP in a Pick'em contest, Survivor Pool. They even have squares and margin pools that you can use. Check them out at runyourpool.com today. All right, Matt. It's time for us to make some uh, predictions here. We're going to go with a win total draft. Five rounds. We each pick five teams. And at the end of the season, we can look back on how wrong we were. Now, you are the king of content. So I am going to defer to you for the first pick here. We'll go snake style. So I'll get two, three. Who is the first team up on your board? All right. Well, I think you're going to rue the day that you gave me the number one pick because I think we both know where I'm going. And it's I'm imagining the pick that you would probably want at number one. And it's the Lions. Uh, I'm taking the over. Obviously not the under. I'm taking the over. The Lions in my power ratings are uh, you know, one of the teams that I am higher on relative to the market that exists out there. 
not they're the the second team, the number two team in which I am high relative to the market. Uh, that first team, I think I'll be able to get their win total a little bit later in the draft. So I'm I'm going with the the Lions. That number is six, six and a half, six and a half at most books, six at Caesars. I'm going to take the six and a half minus 120 at DraftKings because I've got this projected at 7.4. There's a lot, a lot that I think we should like about this team. Uh, and I, I did write a piece on the win totals at uh, at Betting Pros. And so you can check, check that out more. Uh, for details, but I will say I'll give a little bit of a, of a eh, I guess it's not really a tease here. I'll, I'll give the breakdown here. Uh, I mean, the Lions uh, last year, 11 and five, 11 and six, actually against the spread uh, overall four and one against the spread versus teams with winning percentages above 500. They have a top 10 offensive line and that's being conservative. Honestly, I think yeah. it's more like a top five, top three offensive line. They have improved skill positions across the board. They have a defense that I think could be better this year, uh, given that they added two pretty athletic edge rushers in Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal. So, over six and a half, they have uh, the Bears. You know, I just don't want to say just chalk that up as two wins right away, but you know they've got good matchups against the Bears, and they were a team that underperformed last year, and so they have an advantageous schedule this year, uh, and I think the team takes a step forward. So over six and a half, the Lions. I have to say they are a chalky team, like people are uh, on their totals. Uh, you know, betting Dan Campbell to win Coach of the Year, but uh, I don't it, know. It's the I, hard knocks hype. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a situation where the the chalk hits. Yeah, I, I have not watched a minute of Hard Knocks. I'm not being affected by the HBO hype machine around this team right now. But completely with you, this this is the number one pick I had on my board too. the The thing for me is the fact that they lost or tied seven games last season by a touchdown or less. And to me, that means positive regression. Yeah. I feel like every single time that you see a team do that the next season they are a good team and they don't have to be a great team here. They just, you have to get you over seven. And I love this offense. Like you've got DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams is going to be great when he gets in that lineup. And it's not like Jared Goff can't do good things. He made a super bowl for crying out loud. <laughs> Combine all that. Like when, when he's comfortable in the pocket, he can be a serviceable quarterback. And I think that's what you're going to get this season. Like you said, defense has some question marks, but they've got the fifth easiest strength of schedule this season too. playing the NFC and AFC East and the Jaguars. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I like the options. And the second half of their schedule is also super friendly in the second half. You've got the giants, Jags, jets, Panthers, and bears twice. Yeah. All six of those are winnable games right there. So if you can get two or three in the front half of the season, I feel like you're sitting pretty in the second half. Yeah. I, I like it, Tom. We're on the same page there. All right. My pick is going to be, as Jeff mentioned them, the Texans over four and a half at even money over at DraftKings. I believe in General Mills. Yes, the Texans were horrendous early on last season. But down the stretch, nearly swept the Titans, destroyed the Chargers, and beat the Jags. Like you had four wins last season, and you're telling me this team isn't improved enough to get over that this year? They, their schedule isn't great, but here's something that really interested me. They're not actually that young. They have one of the oldest rosters in the league, which is weird for a rebuild, but it means they have a lot of veterans who are going to know how to play football. And you still have Brandon Cooks on that offense, and I think Mills takes a step forward in year two. And with Lovey Smith at the helm, 
again, like Jeff said, you've got better coaching there. And you play the weakest division of football. You get to play Jacksonville twice. The Titans are most likely going to take a step back. And to be quite frank, I'm betting this team to win the division at 25 to 1. Wow. Is it going to hit? Probably not. But should it be 25 to 1? I don't think so at all. You're one Matt Ryan injury away from a wide open shot here for this team. There's no reason that that, that it can't be done. Will it be done? Probably not. But I think they get over four and a half games easy. Well, there are some reasons why it won't be done, but I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, my model has this as five and a half, which I just, uh, I don't have the fortitude to bet the over on it, but, uh, I mean, it looks like there's value there. Yeah. That's, that, that's the way I'm going with it here at even money. There yeah. are worse bets that I can make this season. And I, four and a half just seems like such an easy number for them to cross over here. Yeah. All right. We're going right, to so, do. Yeah. So that's pick number two. You got pick yep. number three. All right, pick number three, I'm going the other way here with another terrible team. I'm going Seahawks under five and a half, plus 120 over at DraftKings. They're my pick at plus 750 to be the worst team in football this season. First off, there is no worse quarterback situation in the NFL. If Drew Locke and Geno Smith are your answers, the question is, what is tanking? You play the AFC West and the NFC South for your out-of-division schedule. I love nothing about that except that you're going to play the Panthers towards the end of the season when Christian McCaffrey is already hurt. And Geno Smith will win the revenge game against the Jets. Just mark that down. But even if you split with the 49ers, you still need to find two more wins on that schedule. I guess you can beat the Giants in week eight, but the back half of the schedule is ripe for a team that is trying to tank for the first pick. If anyone is winning two games and two games only this season, I think it's the Seahawks. All right, I I don't disagree with you. Um, I do have them projected close to their win total, but it is worth noting that I have them projected for the third fewest wins overall this year. Like I think they are a bad team. They're they're yeah. my number thirty power rated team, and honestly, like if someone said they're the worst team in the league, like I wouldn't bat an eye at that. I think their defense is going to be horrendous, and a quarterback makes or breaks your team. And the Seahawks, as you mentioned, a quarterback, quote-unquote, battle between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I mean, that is one of the worst. If it's not the worst, it's one of the worst quarterback situations in the league. Now, it's the worst. It's the worst quarterback situation. Who has a better – no one has a worse quarterback situation. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's the worst. Guys, real quick, remember when you're looking for free picks and sports betting advice, bettingpros.com has you covered with tips from over 150 experts to make it easy for you to cash out. Download the app to get sports betting alerts. You'll get notified of favorable bets based on line movements, consensus picks from the most accurate experts, and vetted systems in play. Betting Pros monitors all of the major sports books, most accurate experts, and top systems to identify the best betting opportunities. So download today in the Apple or Google Play stores. Okay. Uh, good picks there. All right, so I am on the board. Uh, I love this pick here. Titans under nine and a half minus 135 at FanDuel. Uh, I think, you know, the Titans, I think they're fake. You know, I think they got incredibly lucky on the string of wins that they had last year. So this feels like a slam dunk to me. And, you know, everything that they have done this year send uh, signals, right, that they are in the middle of a miniature rebuild, right? They traded away wide receiver A.J. Brown, who is their most talented young player. They drafted quarterback Malik Willis, who, you know, has 
significant upside uh, and the potential to replace either this year or next year aging starter Ryan Tannehill. They cut their number one cornerback in Janoris Jenkins. Uh, they cut their number two wide receiver in Julio Jones. Running back Derrick Henry is 28 years old. He's coming off an injury-impacted campaign. His yards after contact per carry, those have dropped in each of the past two years. Uh, that data is from our advanced running back stats report uh, from 3.2 to 2.8 to 2.2 last year. Like Derrick Henry, you know, he feels like an unstoppable player, but he's definitely slowing down. And the offensive line, which used to be a strength of this team, is now a weakness. We have that ranked number 30 in our offensive line rankings after the offseason departures of right tackle David Quisenberry and left guard Roger Saffold. Like, you know, this is a bad situation for the team. And it feels like even though they might be in a kind of miniature rebuild next year, it might look like a full on rebuild based on how things went this year. So I'm very happy to take under nine and a half. I'm in complete agreement with you here. I thought about putting them on my board, didn't end up doing it, but I think this team is just as bit fake as you do. Traylon Burks is not going to replace AJ Brown right away. And Derek Henry is going to continue to slow down. I I have no critiques of you. And also, I'm not betting the win total over of any team where their quarterback is probably not going to finish out the season. Like the back half of the schedule, if they're not right in the thick of things, they're going to switch to Malik Willis and probably lose more games. Yeah, yeah, I think that is very much within the range of outcomes. And even if that exact outcome doesn't come to pass, I mean, you can look at the writing on the wall and see that this is almost certainly Ryan Tannehill's last year with the team. And so the team does have incentive to go to Malik Willis. So, yeah, very possible that that happens. Uh, okay, so Titans under nine and a half. All right, next here, uh, you know, I know Jeff uh, earlier talked about his optimism for the Raiders. Uh, I'm going to be the perpetual wet blanket and say it does not happen for the Raiders. I'm going under eight and a half on their win total. Um, man, they have the third toughest strength of schedule. If you just add up all of the win totals of the teams that they are playing this year. So, I mean, we know that they are in a very tough division, uh, but I mean, it's, they have one of the toughest schedules this year. And in terms of their their schedule, uh, some of the actual mechanics of the schedule, they have a really unforgiving string of games in weeks eight through 14. And in that stretch, they play five of seven games away. So weeks eight, nine, they travel east for back-to-back -back road games at the Saints and the Jags. Both of those games kick off at 1 p.m. Eastern. So that's not a great situation. They have a week 10 home game against the Colts. Like, that's not a terribly easy game. And then they have another set of back-to-back -back road games at the Broncos, so playing at elevation in a divisional rematch, and then at the Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks, I think they're one of the worst teams in the league, but playing in Seattle against the Seahawks coming off of their bye, that's not a great situation to be in. And then uh, after that, weeks 13 and 14, they have consecutive games against the two LA teams, the Rams and the Chargers, both of which have top six power ratings. So I think the Raiders could easily go two and five in that stretch. And that's before their final four games of the season when they play the Patriots, Steelers, 49ers, and Chiefs. Like I could see them losing two or three of those games. And that's just like a little more than half of the season. Like that doesn't take into account anything that happens in the first half. So I am very much on the under here. 
I mean, the Raiders, like I get the enthusiasm around the team, but I am very happy to be taking the under here. And it's plus 110 at DraftKings and Caesars. Matt, Matt, Matt. I'm going against you here. I'm going with the Raider Nation, my friend. I, I think the way I look at this team, yes, the schedule is not easy, but of the teams with a new head coach this year, I like Josh McDaniels the most. I think that he's learned a lot from the disaster in, in Denver. I think he's learned a lot going back under Belichick. I've liked everything that I'm seeing from this team out of camp. And then I just look at the weapons they have. Quite frankly, I, I am considering making a bet on them to win the division. The offensive line worries me still. Alex Leatherwood does not look like he really has it. He did pop off in the charity Raiders Knights uh, softball game, and he's a very cool guy to talk to. But I, I don't really trust this O-line right now, and the secondary still has problems. But I think they're going to have one of the best D-lines in football. You've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the edges there. That's going to be very exciting to see. And then as far as the offense goes, you bring in the best receiver in football, you still have Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. And then your running back weapons in Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what that team's going to be able to do on offense. Derek Carr was on track, in my opinion, to be MVP last season until you had to deal with you look, you had to deal with so much for that team. The John Gruden fiasco, Henry Ruggs killing someone. Like once he once Darren Waller got hurt and Ruggs was in prison, yeah, of course the offense is going to go downhill there. But Derek Carr was throw was on pace to throw for a, what above five thousand yards last season before that slowdown. Now you add in Devontae Adams, who he does have that natural chemistry with, into that offense. I, I think that Carr is going to be right up there as a top five quarterback this season, and I think that we are going to see some really electric games from this team. Tom, if we reunited you with someone that you played flag football with nine years ago, do you think there would be any residual chemistry? Uh, what I've seen in camp looks pretty good. All right. I mean, Devontae Adams, obviously the best wide receiver in the league. Great addition, but he's taking a step down, like obvious step down, uh, both at quarterback and, you know, I'm not going to say a play caller, but we just have to see what the Josh McDaniels offense looks like in a new yeah. environment. But so, he's also entering a better offense. Mm, as far as the guys around him, I think that it's going to, are his numbers going to go down this season? Totally. But that's also because there's there are more targets and more mouths to feed in that offense. Whereas, let's face it, you could really you knew if Rodgers was throwing the football, it was most likely going to Adams. Now, not so much the case, and I think it's going to be harder for teams to defend him because of it. Yeah, I think if you ask people who don't live in Las Vegas uh, or Oakland or wherever it is that they live, but they just happen to be Raiders fans, if you ask just random people. Who has the better offense, the Packers or the Raiders? Probably the Packers. I, I, I Look, quarterback, yes. Every other position, running back, yeah, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are a better tandem there. But in terms of the passing game, you, you have more weapons. There is more to cover with the Raiders. No one yeah. was afraid of Alan Lazard like they are of Darren Waller. No, I mean, you're not wrong about that part, but I think if you have the better quarterback, you probably have the better passing game. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, but I think this team is going to be pretty dang good. I mean, Tom, if you want, 
go head to head against me. Bet bet the over. You can bet Raiders over eight and a half. I I actually did consider it. I I was thinking about putting it as one of my picks here, especially because I needed to sub something out after you took the Lions. But instead, I'm going to go in a different direction that plenty of people are also probably going to disagree with. I'm going to take in San Francisco under 10 wins at minus 110 here on DraftKings. The 49ers are not a good football team. You want to talk about a team that luck boxed their way last season? The Titans, yeah, they did. But the 49ers were the luckiest of luck box teams to get to the NFC Championship game. They had no business being there. You had Jimmy G at quarterback who actively was trying to lose you games, I'm convinced. there is That team won games in spite of their quarterback play last season. Now you have Trey and out instead. People talk about how Zach Wilson had a cupcake schedule in college. Trey Lance sure had to deal with some hard competition at North Dakota State. This guy was so bad as a rookie, he couldn't beat out Jimmy G, a guy who literally no one wants. I don't care that you have Debo Samuel. George Kittle is a year older. Brandon Ayuk maybe gets back into the fold. And as far as schedule, I simply don't see this team winning 10 games. Yes, the defense is going to be good. I think good enough to win six games, seven games. But I think the Bears can come out and surprise them in week one in Chicago. You play the AFC West, which could easily be four losses right there. Then you play the NFC South, which, yes, it's a mixed bag. You get the Saints and Bucks. Those are going to be tough games. I'm not saying this game wins two. Uh, this team wins two games, but 10 with a quarterback who, for all intents and purposes, is a rookie. Uh, you, you talk about teams like the Bengals win totals at nine and a half. People really think that they're going to regress harder than the 49ers this year. I don't see it. I, I think that this is a seven-win team, eight wins max. Ten, I'm taking under all day. Wow. Uh, the the heat from thinking that the Bears beat the uh, the 49ers uh, and that maybe they win six or seven. I, I don't know. I, I can see, I'll just say, you know, teasing week one. Uh, yeah, I can see betting on the Bears in week one against the 49ers. I can see that for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm Bears definitely are, taking the yeah. touchdown with them. Yeah, uh, Bears at home. I see it. Yeah, um, Bears beating them. I don't see it. I don't think there's a lot that's wrong with the analysis. Uh, I just wouldn't bet it. I have them projected for nine point nine. So I, you know, a smidge under the the total of ten. But I'm I'm basically right there with the total. Um, I do think that Trey Lance is going to end up being a better quarterback than people expect. I think you know? he's trash. Yeah, we'll see. I, he very well could be. I, I think he's, uh, you know, to go back in the, the time machine, I think he's Steve McNair. I think that's the type of player he is. I mean, that's pretty big to be Steve McNair. Yeah, I mean, it is. But, you know, yeah. he's got the draft capital. He's comparable with he the He only has ability. the draft capital because, the, because uh, Shanahan got overruled. Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I, I think we know how I feel about that. Yeah, I, I think uh, – I think Mac Jones was the pick. And honestly, maybe he should have been the pick. But I still think uh, with the playmakers, with the scheme, with his uh, just overall ability, yeah, I think Trey Lance is okay. Uh, I've you know I've got a bet. In fact, when I was in Vegas, Tom, in, in February after the Super Bowl, uh, I did make a bet uh, on Trey Lance 80 to 1 to be MVP. So we will we will see how that goes. I guess I'm officially invested in Lance. But I, uh, I, yeah. I, I seem to recall a similar Jalen Hurts bet last year. Yeah, hey, you know what? Jalen Hurts suited, wasn't wasn't terrible. Better suited for this year. Like this year now, I think you have a real good conversation to be had about Jalen Hurts there. But 
I am not going to take the Eagles as my next team here. I did think about it though. That that's a win total. If we were to do some rapid fire, I I'd, I'd definitely be going Eagles over, but I'm going to take the saints over eight and a half at minus one Oh five. I know Sean Payton is gone, but it's not like this team doesn't have continuity in the program here. They're not changing things up. Go back and watch Jameis's starts last season, 14 touchdowns to three interceptions in the seven games he played before getting hurt. And his receivers last year were bad. Like this, this guy, first off, is never going to have a 30-30 campaign again. He has fixed a lot of that part of his game. And his receivers, remember when Marquez Callaway was the next big thing? They, they were dropping passes all over the place last year. This year, Michael Thomas is back. Jarvis Landry still has something in the tank. He looks healthy. And you have Chris Olave, who's expected to be a contributor immediately. And... I don't know that Alvin Kamara gets suspended this year. The way the NFL slow playing this, it might not be until next season. And even then, I still think that they could survive without him for a few games. But you boast the ninth easiest strength of schedule. You get to play the Falcons and Panthers twice. And for some reason, the Saints always have Tam- uh, Tampa Brady's number anyway. You play the NFC, NFC West, which I believe is much weaker than it used to be. And you have the AFC North, which admittedly means you run into the Ravens and the Bengals. But that's not a terrible schedule. With the NFC as weak as it is right now, there's no reason the Saints can't be a playoff team. I see 9-10 wins as a real possibility here when I look at the schedule. Yeah, I think that's possible. I have them projected for 8.6. So, you know, right around that win total. If I had to take a side, I would, you know, probably lean over just because that's where my number is indicating. One thing that gives me a little bit of pause about Jameis Winston, and this is more, you know, kind of thinking week to week and against the spread. This guy is 8-17-1 against the spread as a favorite. Like, he's just a, like an underdog, fine. You know, like that's the situation to bet on Jameis. But as a favorite, the dude has just historically crumbled. And that just kind of makes me a little pessimistic about taking the over on the win total of someone like that. I, I think my thing is that we're looking at a really different Jameis than the Jameis that we had in Tampa, where we got to see most of his sample size here. I genuinely think Sean Payton and Drew Brees had a real effect on this guy. And I know he's fa- he's one of the favorites to win comeback player of the year. Honestly, I'm kind of looking around at that 80 to one price on MVP. Oh, wow. That's that's interesting. I mean, he does have the best. Rece- I, I mean, OK, not the best receiver unit, but like a very, I think, underappreciated receiver unit because Michael Thomas, if he comes back healthy, he's a real number one wide receiver. You have Chris Olave is a guy who can play inside and play outside and stretch the field. And then you've got Jarvis Landry as, you know, just like a very strong, competent number three receiver. So yep. that that is all very good. Um, and the offensive line's pretty good too. I'm I'm just excited to see Michael Thomas with a quarterback who can throw more than five yards. I I love Drew Brees, one of my all time favorite players. I think he's up there on the wall somewhere behind me. But I, I'm excited to see Michael Thomas with a vertical arm here. All right, the disrespect, the disrespect. All right, so you have 49ers and Saints. Uh, that means I am up at number eight, and uh, I teased this earlier. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs. They are the team that I am the highest on relative to the market right now. And, uh, you know, that feels a little bit chalky, but whatever. I don't care. I think too many people are overweighting the impact of Tyreek Hill being gone. And it's not just Tyreek Hill. It's our guy, Byron Pringle, who is also gone, and Demarcus Robinson. But so really, it is a total rebuild of the wide receiver room there. But I really like Juju. 
uh, as the guy who can operate in the middle of the field. I like Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the field stretcher, not like a one-for-one substitute of Tyree Kill, but he can do some of the field stretching things that the offense relied on, uh, you know, from Tyreek. And then, uh, you know, Sky Moore as I think a, a upside potential number one receiver in that offense, you know, not to mention you've got Travis Kelsey there. Isaiah Pacheco as a guy who, you know, might be the number two, but maybe he ends up becoming the number one uh, running back in that offense. Uh, the offensive line is pretty good. I don't know. I'm just going to say like, I trust Andy Reed and I trust Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that is sort of like the heart of what all of this boils down to. But Andy Reid historically has, uh, has outperformed expectations, like the win total expectations in Kansas City. And I mean, I think nine years now, he's been the head coach. Uh, and only twice have they not gone over 10 and a half wins. So I know tough division, that's fine. They're still the Chiefs and they still have, I think, in my opinion, you know, my opinion here, but the best quarterback in the league. I, I still think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. So best head coach in the league, best quarterback in the league. Yeah, I'll go over 10 and a half. I have this projected at 11.1. That's the uh, not quite the highest uh, win total projection that I have, but uh, it's up there. I'd probably say second best quarterback behind Mitch Trubisky, but that's just splitting hairs. They're one and two. They're so close for everybody. I, I'm one of those people that's definitely really down on the Chiefs. And then, A, I look at that win total at 10 and a half, and I go, do I really see this team only winning nine games? And then I also look at that first preseason game, those couple of drives that we saw when Mahomes was already throwing no-look passes and stuff, and I just started going to myself, ooh, they still look really good. I, yeah. I it, At 10 and a half, I can't bet under that. I'd have to go over it. My fears with them are like you talked about, this receiving core, they're going to miss Tyreek Hill. If Travis Kelsey gets hurt, that's this guy's the same age as Gronk and it's entirely possible that he starts slowing down because that has to happen at some point but all of a sudden you start looking around that receiver room and going okay well Juju doesn't really have to be the guy here in this offense Sky Moore we know that Derek Brown is so high on him and that's starting to rub off you can only listen to so many times he talks about him before you start agreeing with it and yeah it's still Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes I think I have to agree with you here. I still think that the Raiders are going to be right up there with them, but I think that they are probably still the best team in that division and they're going to end up winning it for sure. Yeah. And I'll say, I know it feels so chalky to be like, oh, I'm taking the Chiefs over 10 and a half win. You know, like, but the number it, is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a fair number. Uh, you know, by the way, minus 115 at FanDuel. And I'll just say, like, I tend not to bet overs in the win total market because it's an inflated market. So if you added up all of the consensus win totals that we have uh, in our, you know, our betting pros, uh, you know, our betting pros page, you know, the odds page for team futures, it's 273.5 wins and there are only 272 games in the regular season. So it's an inflated market, which means there tends to be value on the under. So you really have to like an over, in my opinion, to bet the over, but 
I mean, I, I still like it. You know, Patrick Mahomes, as bad as people thought Patrick Mahomes was playing at the beginning of last year, the Chiefs were still number one overall in offensive success rate. Like they're still like an incredible offense. So yeah, I will I will easily take them there. Uh, one team I am fading though, uh, up near the top, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have the highest win total, or tied with the uh, the Bills for the highest win total on the slate. 11 and a half. I will go under that minus 125 at FanDuel and points bet. Uh, I like the Bucks in general. Like I have them as a top four team in my power ratings. But this this season, I mean, they have a number of obstacles that they have to overcome. Like Bruce Arians, their head coach, he's gone. Wide receiver Antonio Brown, tight end Rob Gronkowski, uh, edge rusher Jason Pierre-Paul, defensive tackle and Kong Su, all of those guys, pretty important to the team over the past couple of years. They are all gone. They also have injuries, right? Number two wide receiver, Chris Godwin. He's probably not going to be ready for week one. Even if he is active, I don't think we should expect him to be his full Godwin self, uh, given the ACL injury that he suffered you know, last year in December. Uh, and, I'd say even more importantly than that, center Ryan Jansen, he suffered what might be a a season-ending knee injury in training camp. And so that means if he's out, that the entire interior of the offensive line is going to have three new starters because left guard uh, Ali Marpet, he retired. Right guard Alex Kappa, he left for free agency. And so Tom Brady might have more interior pressure and that's like the one thing in Brady's career if you could point to like what's the one thing that could bring Tom Brady down it is interior pressure and so a a, a whole new offensive line in the interior that feels like the kind of thing that that could make Brady regress a little bit and he's 45 years old like I I don't want to bet against Brady but like at some point happen at some point point, there's a cliff right yeah I I mean time is undefeated I feel like we're going to – well, time was undefeated. Brady at this point has beaten time. I don't care if it actually comes to fruition. Chalk that up as a W for him. It's. I feel like we're going to be saying the same thing in 10 years when he's still throwing touchdowns at 55, though. Well, I mean, let's hope. I have him on my dynasty league of record. But, uh, I mean, 11 and a half, given all those things that I laid out, that just feels really aggressive. So – Uh, I will take the under there. I have that projected for 10.9. So I will, you know, I'll take the under there. I have a hard time disagreeing with you. Like, yes, Tom Brady is such a great mobile threat who can escape that interior pressure, but I still think that there are going to be a lot of problems right there. And 11 wins is a lot for a football team in the NFL. It is. It is a lot. And by the way, it, it correlates with your Saints over eight and a half. So, uh, you know, if you're thinking you like the Saints, I'm thinking I just like the Buccaneers. We're a little bit on the same page. All right, my last team here, there are a couple ways I could have gone with this. I really hate the Broncos this season. I think they're a six-win team. I know that's another hot take, but <laughs> Russell Wilson's moving into it. I had to drop it in here. Russell Wilson is going to a worse offense. That's a fact. The, the defense is isn't necessarily a top 10 unit. You look at that unit, they don't scream top 10 to me. They have a couple good pieces, but they also have a couple pieces who are starting to show their age. Bradley Chubb was not that great last year. The Patrick Sertan, I think, is going to be a great corner in this league for a long time. But overall, I think that unit is a lot shakier, and I think they're definitely the fourth best team in that division. 
But and Russell Wilson's a year older too, and now he's got to learn a new offense. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are not DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They are a downgrade. That's I don't see that as a hot take there. But that's not the team I'm going to go with here. I had to take my own Jets under six, and I can find the total at six and a half. You can find the total at six in some places with a little more money here. The Jets under uh, the Jets under six even money at circa is where I have them because you can find them at five and a half most spots, not six and a half. So six is the best number I can find on this. And I don't even actually have any notes written up for this because I have been thinking about it for the last four, (laughs) five, six, seven months. Um, Zach Wilson, uh, as of yesterday, the reports are that his meniscus is okay. He's going to miss week one, but it's not a season-ending injury. That is great news for this under. Uh, I was very worried that Zach was going to be out for the entire season and we would therefore have to go through next season of suffering through more Zach Wilson before moving on. And instead, now we can have him suck now and move on to the next quarterback a year sooner. I think that's really important for this team. But you look at this schedule here. You have the Ravens week one, the Browns. Okay, that's winnable. The Bengals, the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos, the Patriots, the Bills. And then you get to your week 10 bye. That's a one in eight team like maximum going into that buy. I'm not even that high on the Dolphins. I don't think they're going to be fantastic, but I don't see a single game there outside of the Browns that's really winnable. And at that point, you're in full-on tank mode. Now, you do have, after you get out of the buy, you have that Patriots game. Then you play the Bears at home. We'll see. I could see Justin Fields running rampant on this team by that point. Then you have the Vikings, that in Minnesota, that's a loss. Then you go to Buffalo. I'm sure that's that, that's an easy dub. And then you start the last four games here, which is the only time that we're going to get the the seats going to get a little warm. If they have two or three wins going into that home stretch, it is prime Jets mess up the season's uh, draft pick territory. You got the Lions, you got the Jaguars, you got the Seahawks, and you got the Dolphins. At least you play the Seahawks in Seattle. You play the Jaguars and Lions at home. Those are going to be winnable games to mess up the draft record, but I still don't think you're getting near six wins here. The hype around this team is not deserved. Yes, I like a lot of the pieces they're putting in place, but at the end of the day, it comes down to quarterback, and I don't think Zach Wilson's the guy. Yeah, this this is a very Tom pick. Uh, It makes me think of when I bet against the Cowboys every week last year and hated my life because of it. Yeah, but Um, the difference is you hated your life because you were more pissed about the bats. If the Jets win eight games this season, that means Zach Wilson might be legit, and I am thrilled. I am just fine losing the bet if the team's outlook looks bright. Yeah, uh, I I have this at 5.8. So, you know, I'm a little bit to the under. I don't think there's significant value there. I honestly think that, you know, you talked about that uh, tough stretch of games that they have. So they head into the week 10 bye off of a really brutal stretch you're right week six and seven back-to-back games at the packers and broncos both of those teams i think have elite home field advantages and then they host the patriots and the bills i mean you know i think they're going to lose both of those games uh they could lose all of those games by double digit points i think though coming out of the bye 
because of how bad they might look entering the buy, they might offer some against the spread betting value. I hate to say that because I never want to be betting on the Jets. But, you know, we talked with Jeff earlier. If we're thinking about points in the schedule where there might be some betting value on teams, the Jets coming out of the week 10 buy looking like one of the worst teams in the league playing three or four away, they might offer a little bit of value there. But uh, it's not like I'm going to want to be betting that. Yeah, I, I agree on some of those. The game after the bye is the Patriots, though, and we're going to lose that by 40 points. Yeah. that's yeah, the, sorry, Bill Belichick man. sees the Jets on the schedule, and he goes, all right, it, especially at that point, it is time to stomp them while they're down. Yeah, gonna be going to be a tough season there. Yeah, well, it's not like I'm not used to it. All right, so let's do a, a quick recap here, right? Yes. Uh, so I've got, let's see, let me pull it up here. I've got the Texans over four and a half, the Seahawks under five and a half, 49ers under 10, Saints over eight and a half, and the Jets under six. All right, and I have the Lions over six, six and a half. I'm taking over six and a half. The Titans under nine and a half, the Raiders under eight and a half, the Chiefs over 10 and a half, and the Buccaneers under 11 and a half. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us here then, Matt. May the best man win. I'll set a calendar reminder for this for the end of the season. But we've got plenty of more exciting things to talk about. Guys, next week's going to be another banger. We've got an entire season to look forward to here. Don't forget to head to runyourpool.com slash bettingpros. Join our pick'em contest and get ready for week one to go head-to-head against us. I'm coming for that $150 Fanatics gift card. Because if I, I don't know if I even can win it, but if I am, I'm getting Matt the worst possible jersey I can think of with it. But in the meantime, that is going to do it for us here. Follow me on Twitter at TV at work. You can find Matt at Matt F the Oracle. And as always, head on over to bettingpros.com. Follow them on Twitter at bettingpros. Guys, best of luck this season. Let's cash some tickets. I'm looking forward to that Zach Wilson jersey. <laughs>